Shannon, let's talk about how it works. You know, death is not the end. It's the basic message that something in us, our consciousness, goes on and that certain mediums are able to communicate, that uh, the, the dead speak through them. Um, why does that happen? Where, where is that consciousness? Where does it go? You know, um, I don't know. It's a, it was a mystery to me when I first began, but uh, the mediums who I've worked with tell me that, um, y- you know, it's something that happens. It happens, uh, it erupts in people's lives after, the, after a death or a trauma. Sometimes people will actually see their loved ones. And for these mediums, uh, they can be contacted um, in their mind through uh, spirits who who want to make contact and still have something to say. Um, You know, I'm not sure of the mechanics, and I I think the mechanics are mysterious. And I think there's a lot going on that relates to time and consciousness and also chemistry between people. Sometimes um, a medium can give a great reading to somebody and then give a bad reading to somebody else. So um, it remains mysterious, but there's a lot of compelling uh, experiences people have happened that makes me believe there's definitely something to it. Well, let's talk about some of those. I, I think at in, one point in your book, you, you wrote that bereavement was a driving force in the growth of public interest in, in spiritualism. Obviously, people are hurting when their loved one dies. They, for a variety of reasons, want to still be able to communicate. Uh, and in some cases, um, mediums have been able to give a lot of pain relief to these folks, right? Uh, yes. I mean, even when uh, when my, my, my own mother died, um, one of my uh, close friends is a medium in Lilydale um, named Lauren Thibodeau. And uh, the, when my mother died, both my brother and my sister, they said, oh, we're going to get tattoos for mom. You know, I'm going to get this tattoo and I'm going to get that tattoo. And I was just I just forgot that they had said that. I just said, okay, you know, whatever. And then the next morning I get a text from my friend Lauren and she said, well, you're going to think I'm crazy, but your mom already came to me and she gave me this long list of things my mom said. And then she said, yeah, at the end she said, tell them no tattoos. And then she took off. And and so, (laughs) you know, sometimes it's as practical as your mom doesn't want you to get a tattoo. (laughs) Um, You've had other communications with your mom. You think those are real. I mean, they're legit. Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it, it's definitely when uh, my friend Lauren gave me that message, it was hard to deny that that it happened. But it's also, it's just, it's also hard to acknowledge because it's so, um, you know, it's also mysterious. But I really did feel like that was you know, something that I couldn't deny that had happened. Oh, that first sit down with a, with a medium in Lilydale, she told you something that turned out to be accurate, did not know you. There's no way she knew you had an aunt in Texas who had just died, right? Um, right. She definitely did not know that. No. What other um, kinds of things did you get from mediums in your 18 year journey here that you thought that was pretty remarkable? Um, well, I mean, Sometimes, you know, I, I've had a reading um, with one medium where he uh, he told me all all these things. He told me, you know, oh, all these things about my life, deeply personal things. And I was thinking, oh, God, he's wrong. He's wrong. He's wrong. And then five years later, everything that he said uh, actually came true. But I've also had readings that, you know, didn't, didn't resonate the same way. 
So it's hard to, um, when you're having all these experiences and not all of them resonate that way, it's hard not to question what's going on. And, you know, that's why I always say, you know, I, I've ended up with more questions than I have answers. And I just, I just keep getting more questions. You write about some, a couple of experiences where ETs basically appear after experiments. Can you share more about that with us? Um, yes, I, I in the book I cover. Um, there's one medium she wanted to remain anonymous, and she goes into trance and she um, tries to channel uh, aliens, and um, she says it's really physically painful and it's very difficult. It's hard to align her consciousness with their energy, and. Um, you know, then I asked around to other mediums I know and um, who don't know this person at all, and they would say, "Yes, she's absolutely right. That's it's it's very dangerous. That's why you know the national organizations they don't want you doing things like that. Like you can't do that in a spiritualist church. You have to do that in a home circle." And so it, it was interesting to to see that mediums from around the world were saying the same thing, where it's it's kind of like hard to align those energies, and it's hard to to make that work in a, in a mediumistic way. Um, but also I, what I discovered is a lot of mediums have had UFO experiences or time slips or, um, you know, there was a correlation. And then, um, you know, Whitley Strieber has written about how, uh, you know, sometimes the spirits of the dead overlap with the, the abduction experiences. And, you know, yeah. then he wrote a book, um, in, you know, speaking to his deceased wife, Anne, so I think there is um, this type of consciousness does have crossover. Uh, you mentioned in the book, too, about healings. Did you see any healings? Do you think that that really does happen? Uh, yes, I've met many people who have um, have uh, benefited from spiritual healing and um, have told me really incredible stories. Um, I've met healers who, um, you know, they just, they, they, just by laying of hands can affect people's bodies. Um, that the in spiritualism, the tradition of laying on of hands healing, where they um, they go around the body with hands, it, it relates back to mesmerism. Um, but I um, healing is one of the primary aspects of spiritualism, and it it does play a big part. Um, right now, I'm working on a book of uh, an archive of. Um, of a group that was active in America, and one of the people in in that was healed from blindness, and I've interviewed her. Uh, she was healed from um, in, a, in a seance from um, blindness. Uh, a section of your book, well, actually, a couple of sections deal with uh, celebrity spirits that show up. <laughs> and, uh, I had to laugh at this that Louis Armstrong pops up all over the place. Yes, Louis Armstrong, <laughs> Freddie Mercury, uh, Michael Jackson's really popular. Uh, that's one of the, you know, it, it kind of brings a lot of humor and wackiness into it. And I was absolutely fascinated by, you know, um, at one time Elvis was really popular. Um, and I did have, meet a few mediums who had gotten messages from him. And I discovered that since the early day, earliest days of spiritualism, this thing, this thing with celebrities popping in has been part of it. I mean, early on, the most famous uh, spirit who was going around was Benjamin Franklin. He was appearing in the early seances, you know, with a lot of the most famous mediums. 
And so that's something I, I found really interesting, and I tried to um, do as much as I could about that in the book. Yeah, Ben Franklin, that makes sense to me. He'd be the kind of guy that that still wants to get things off his chest after he goes on. Elvis, you have a photo in your book, uh, among the great photos there, of a message from Elvis on the other side. What's the story behind that? Uh, yeah, that's a, a medium um, in England named Myra Basie, who she said after Elvis died, she started doing this type of automatic writing where she just she places her hand with a pen not in her fi- in between her fingers but atop her her fingers and she just holds the pen as she lets it write so it's uh, it's an unusual um way of doing it and she says Elvis takes her hand and writes messages and so one of the messages um he wrote is is in the book and um this goes along you know Raymond Moody the great near death experience researcher wrote a book called Elvis Afterlife because he had collected so many stories of people who had had experiences with Elvis after Elvis died. Um, so, you know, she, she said it just started happening. She didn't know why, like right out, you know, shortly after Elvis died. Is there any uh, supporting material that the, that, that note is, uh, could be from Elvis or his spirit? Is there something that he said in it that, uh, that resonates? Um, no, I mean, I, the, the note says it's um, it's just like I'm Elvis, I'm not dead. Um, and one of the, it ends with um, the school or the earth is a school for learning. Make the most of your time. So um, she has thousands of these messages, and I haven't re- written them all, or read them all. Um, and I didn't take them to an analyst to be analyzed. Although people have done that with different spirit writing, you know, the whole automatic writing thing. Um, and spiritualism is a huge topic. There's a lot of uh, examples of it. When I was reading about uh, the mediums who are contacted by the spirits of famous dead celebrities, I kind of, in my mind, mentally equated it with uh, past lives, with uh, uh, you know, uh, pe- pe- uh, people who have had, uh, say, they're contacted by uh, spirits of celebra- famous dead celebrities, or, or they were a famous dead celebrity, they were Abe Lincoln or Napoleon in a previous life, and nobody wants to just be some serf living in Europe in the feudal system. Uh, they they got to be somebody big. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. No, I know that it, it is. I, you know, I, I there's a moment in the book where, um, again, uh, again, my friend Lauren from Lilydale, she said that she was giving a reading and um, Elvis kept popping in to her reading, and she said, I'm not, no, this can't be, you know, I'm not giving this message. And so she kept popping him out of her head. And then he would, he was persistent. So she finally said to the woman, you know, I just keep getting Elvis. I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry about this, but I have to say that, you know, Elvis is popping in. She goes, Oh yeah, my, my mother was his housekeeper, you know? So sometimes it, it is relevant, I guess. Um, I also met a medium. Uh, she's um, in Belgium named Isabel Duchesne. And she has a story of Freddie Mercury coming to her and saying, you have to give a message to my former manager, this guy, I guess his nickname was Phoebe. And so um, he insists that she go to Switzerland and and give this message to Phoebe. And so she goes to this event where this guy is going to be there and she finally finds him. And she says to Freddie Mercury, how is he going to know that I'm really giving a message from you? And he said, tell him that one time his cat pooped in the toaster. And so she (laughs) finds this guy and says this, and he was shocked, and he said, that actually happened. <laughs> and then he, he took 
he took the message because because of that. So I, you know, I don't know how you explain this, but this is one of the stories I've collected. You know, there is uh, at least a, an uptick in scientific mainstream interest in near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, and the uh, exploration of consciousness, evidence that suggests that consciousness is not generated by the brain, that it comes from somewhere else. You have, uh, as you note in your book, there's uh, interest in quantum mechanics, of course, about the, the power of the observer uh, as a, an ability to affect results. Um, that It's encouraging, in a sense, that there is more willingness to explore what would have been forbidden topics 20 years ago. Uh, yes, and then um, it get it gets really, you know, it gets kind of confusing though too, and um, and now that there's not, we don't have parapsychology as a, a really strong science. So yes, it's going into into other realms, and it's um, the consciousness thing, and people are more open to it. But I don't know. I think there still needs we still need to figure out a way to create a, a science for this. You know, um, I wish there was more uh, parapsychology. Um, yeah. I don't know how we merge all of those, but the quantum thing is definitely, and maybe as, as we progress with quantum, it'll get, um, it'll renew that field of parapsychology. Let's talk for a bit about your photos. That's your medium. That's your expertise is photography. Which of the photos, I mean, they're all, I'm not an expert by any means. I'm not even a good photographer, but uh, boy, these these are so well crafted and and positioned, and uh, composition is terrific. Which of these photos uh, do you think carries the most weight in terms of documenting the kinds of experiences that you've had, the kinds of things that mediums have taught you? Um, well, there's a there's a few different types of photos in the book, so some of them I'm I'm just documenting kind of. Uh, some of the, the the historical objects, and then there's the ones where I'm being more experimental. And um, uh, there was one event where I was photographing this man, his name is Gordon Garforth, and this is actually the how I end the book is one of my most compelling uh, photographic moments. Where he went into a trance and he said, "You know, my my face will change while I'm in trance." and I made these pictures and they're very long exposures of him, you know, in trance and he does look different in all these pictures. And then in one, he looks like he's almost wearing glasses and a little mustache. And um, I actually thought it was kind of a spooky picture when I first saw it, because it, it so much didn't like him. And I, and it was, you know, there was something that was just off putting about it to me. And so I wasn't even going to show it to him. And then he saw it on my computer screen. He said, that is the picture. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. And then I went to his house and he showed me a carte de visite of his great grandfather. And it did look just like my picture. And I don't know how to explain it. It was, it's, it's one of these synchronicities that I've, um, I kind of developed over time with just um, trying to play with uh, the camera and see, see what it would capture in, in, um, you know, either using long exposure or allowing the light um, to hit a certain way. And uh, uh, many of the mediums um, I've met have thanked me because they said that somehow the pictures can say things that about their mediumship that words cannot. And I, I took that as a good compliment and, and started to think maybe there's more to this using art and photography to talk about these topics. You know, we're very focused on science, so maybe art does have a place here. 
Uh, there's a photo in the book that does not surprise me. I think it, it shows Uri Geller, uh, who seems to be everywhere in all of these subjects. Did he come to Lilydale or have a, a friendship with somebody, who, a key medium who's there? Um, yeah, he did. He had, there was a woman named, um, I'm drawing a blank on her name. I think her first name was Norma. She would, uh, she would pay to bring Uri to, um, upstate New York to do events. And so there, she made, uh, this collage of pictures of him that hangs in the Lilydale Museum now. So I was able to use a piece of that. And I actually, you know, I had met, Uri Geller um, through, I think we're on a radio show together. And I sent him the picture and, and he was like, not sure if he even remembered. Cause he said, you know, I had, I did so many thousands of events and, you know, this picture isn't ringing a bell, but I'm sure, you know, obviously I was there and um, he actually, he's been a great guy. I've actually asked him several uh, research questions. He always gets back to me. He's a lovely, lovely person. Yeah, I've, I had a chance to meet him and, and uh, talk to him and communicate over the years and interview him, of course. And uh, whenever the topic of uh, Geller comes up, Apports is not too far behind and Bent Spoons. There are photos in your book of Bent Cutlery. Are, that's not by him. That's somebody else doing that? Right, but I think his, you know, he brought it into the culture and then I it, it kind of got co-opted into spiritualism. You know, a lot of uh, you know, if you think about table tipping or, um, you know, even home seances, a lot of spiritualism is about this enchantment of the domestic space. And so I think it just it, it just naturally kind of grew into spiritualism. And now they do do things like spoon bending. But um, when you take a spoon bending class in spiritualism, it's different from the Uri Geller technique. It's not like you just look at it. They hold it in their hands. It's kind of like a, used as a mind over matter exercise where you use your mind to soften the spoon and then you physically bend it. I see. Shannon Taggart is our guest. Her book is Seance. In a moment, we're going to open up the phone lines, see what's on your mind, what kind of questions you have for her. Shannon, one other question before we open up the phone lines. Uh, you know, you've sat in on all these sessions uh, with mediums, uh, uh, seances, uh, lectures, and lessons. Have you ever tried to assume the medium role yourself to see if something would flow through you or... Is it something that really can't be learned? It just happens to you, uh, unlike, say, remote viewing, where people can learn the protocols and have some abilities? Um, well, yes. Uh, spiritualists believe that, and that was a shock to me, that you could learn how to be a medium. I thought you were just born this way, and th- that was it. But, no, they have development courses, and um, I've been through a number of them. And when I, when I am in the right situation and I'm working with um uh, in a group setting with a very good teacher, I have had experiences I cannot explain. Like one time I was walked through one of these uh, exercises and I gave a message to him and I said, I'm seeing um, a, a wax stamp. I, I, I That's what I'm seeing. And she said, I am the only person, I think she's in the Netherlands, who um, owns a company. I'm the only person in my country who has this wax stamp business. And I don't know how I... <laughs> I don't know how that happened because I don't consider myself, you know, a, a medium. And then um, I was also able to give her a message that was meaningful for her. But I don't do that on my own normally. So, um, but I do think, uh, you know, obviously there must be something to it that that you can maybe, even if you're not mediumistic, can um, uh, grow these abilities. So it just popped, something just popped into your head from somewhere. Yeah, yes. 
And then um, I took it a little further and I, I don't remember what the message I gave her, but she found it meaningful. But like, I don't do that normally. <laughs> uh, let's take some calls. Brandon in Austin. Good morning, Brandon. How you doing? Thank you so much, George and Shannon. Uh, congratulations on your graphic novel, George. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody should type in George Knapp's name for podcasts and find him on the podcast. But so I've fought demons. I've met E.T. I have hundreds of recordings of myself talking to the dead. And uh, one thing I've realized is you can only get evidence that they allow you to get. And the last guest was just talking about that, too, with the whole UAP thing. They show up and they, they're purposely showing you. And George, the Marines on the 29 Palms video, that was amazing. But that sounded exactly like me and my friends. In our video, when I met a shape-shifting UAP or ET and UAP, we were saying the same words as the Marines. I was blown away by that. And huh. I think I sent you that video. I'll send it again sometime. But okay. Shannon, uh, if, you're, if you're called to do this, if you're a medium, like you were talking about earlier, I think that I am a medium, but I'm really young, and I'm just figuring all, all this stuff out. It's all coming to me, and like I'm figuring it out by myself. So what courses and people should I go to to learn more about mediumship? Thank you. Um, oh, thank you for your question. That's a really good question. And so, like we were just talking about, um, uh, you know, the classes, um, uh, you could find a teacher. I mean, at Lilydale, they do do um, development courses. Uh, some of them are dependent on being closer uh, to, to that area, but uh, spiritualist churches also have development courses. And um, one of my favorite places in the world is a place called Arthur Finley College in in England. And um, there's a chapter about that that place. It's a spiritualist college um, outside of London, and you can do intensive courses there. And you can actually um, get a certification there, so you can go for a week and do an intensive course with, um, a, you know, a, a a seasoned medium. So, I mean, I guess I would advise you to find a teacher and, um, you know, that makes sense in, uh, traditionally, you know, that a lot of times out how you would be, you would be mentored in these types of practices. And there are spiritualist teachers out there. And, uh, Shannon, you have an event coming up, uh, this summer. Oh, yes. Uh, in Lilydale, New York, uh, July 27th through 29th, I'm hosting a symposium and, uh, it'll be, uh, it starts on a Thursday night, and it's a Friday and a Saturday, and it's it will be covering Arthur Conan Doyle, the psychic photographer Ted Sirios, um, the the curator and the principal of the College of Psychic Studies in London are going to come, and um, we're going to talk about also the Shaker era of manifestations. Um, the guys from the podcast Weird Studies are going to be there. It's going to be a rich. Uh, conversation and we're going to do a deep dive into creativity spiritualism all of these topics that we've been discussing tonight i think it's going to be really fun all right we have links to so you can find shannon on the coast to coast website if you're interested in more information east of the rockies joe on long island hey joe what's on your mind hi shannon I want to ask hi. you about the photograph uh, you know not necessarily ghosts showing up in the photograph but objects now, say, you know, for example, if you were to take photographs at, at medieval castles, medieval churches, uh, the Parthenon in Greece or the Roman Colosseum, would you potentially find objects 
uh, in these photographs that are otherwise not visible uh, to the eye? Um, I haven't. Well, I guess this would tie into um, a lot of what people are seeing now in in those types of circumstances as orbs or orb photography. Um, a lot of people are reporting orbs showing up in, in charged spaces. And I do get a lot of emails about, about that. A lot of times that people see mist or, or they'll photograph this um, strange form of mist that uh, they can't explain. Um, I actually am interested in experimenting more with um, different landscapes, such as you mentioned, but I haven't done much of that work yet. But I do get a lot of people writing me with images that they've taken at such places and they have orbs or mist or, or um, different kind of anomalies on their, on their photographs. Thanks, Joe. You know, we didn't even get into the issue about a ports. Grant Cameron mentioned it uh, earlier in connection with UFO-type events. But have you ever seen an aport appear? Just some kind of object appear out of thin air? Um, yes, I've been in seances where they uh, where aports happen, although it's it's usually dark, so it's hard to see. But uh, at, one of the pictures in my book is of a, a silver spoon that's bent, and that is an aport that fell into my lap in the middle of a seance um, that I was with. Uh, um, a medium, you know, I don't know how it happened. It just dropped into my lap. But again, it was dark, so I don't know. You know, I, I can't prove anything, but it was a really cool experience. But uh, yes, I photographed some of the most famous airports ever, which are some of the airports that happened to the skull experiment, and those are included in the in my book also. And in the back, I kind of tell the story of that. We might have to talk about the skull the next time you come back because that's that's a whole topic on its own. We're going oh, yeah, to the making a movie too. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, give me a little thumbnail sketch about the skull experiment because I mean, it it really there's some pretty dramatic results from that. Yeah, it was a um, a seance group in the late '90s in England that um, produced all this audio, video. Um, there was a lot of parapsychologists studying them. Um, it only went on for four or five years, but it, it produced a lot of material. And like I said, now they're making a movie, and I um, was able to include a little bit of that uh, in the book. It's a really exciting topic. We're going back to the wild card line. A caller from South Carolina. Barry, old buddy, old pal, how you doing? <laughs> I tell you what, George, this is a fascinating subject tonight, and your guest is just terrific. But I've got your comment. On your love and mine, too, for Lord Huron. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling, telling you, that's you, a great went, band. Yeah. Well, I, I heard you say you went to see him up in Reno, and uh, I went to see Lord Huron about a year ago in Asheville, North Carolina. And I tell you, it's the darndest array of instruments and whatever, and the sound that comes out of their voices is honking. It is. And uh, Ben... Um, the, the main singer and songwriter is very interested in the kind of subjects we're discussing. He listens to coast. Uh, we've had some conversations about some of these subject matters in person. And, uh, and a lot of that spills over into the music and the songs that he writes. Oh, I'm so glad you told me that. that that's, that's terrific information. I, I'll make sure I go see him next time. He's anywhere close by. Well, they're on tour now. They'll be coming back East soon. So check it out. Thanks for calling Barry. Appreciate it. Okay, George, have a great time. Thanks. All righty. We're talking with Elaine in Memphis, Tennessee. Hi, Elaine. Good morning. What's on your mind? Hello. Good morning, you guys. Um, 
I, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so weird synchronicity. I, I had no idea who was going to be on tonight. And um, Shannon, I haven't heard of you before, but I am so intrigued. And I looked at your book online already, and it's beautiful. Um, but I actually woke up at like 1.30 in the morning and was cleaning my vintage cameras. <laughs> and as soon as you were talking about Kodak and Rochester, New York, I was cleaning off the tag on one of my 1920 cameras. And it said exactly that. I was like, I need to call. And I couldn't get through at first. And then you started talking about Elvis. I'm from Memphis. I'm about five miles from his grave. I'm not so much into seances, but I am completely into cemeteries like Père Lachaise and Paris. And for me, I have, of course, Elvis. And I've got Isaac Hayes buried right down the street along with Johnny Cash's people and all kinds of things. And do you have any advice on how I can mesh these kind of things together? You mean spiritualism and cemeteries or, um, or photography Cemet and cemeteries? cemeteries and photography. Oh, cemeteries and photography. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, there's, there's a rich history in that. I think, um, it's almost like that was the first place I went to go and photograph with cemeteries. Um, I would, there's a lot of people who do experiments there. Uh, a lot of um, people say, well, you know, you don't need to go to a cemetery in order to, you know, do spirit photography. But um, I guess you would just go and um, experiment and use your camera. And I love that, uh, that synchronicity about you, you, touching the, the Kodak sign when we were talking about it. That's so cool. So obviously you were meant to hear this. Um, but yeah, I would just go and experiment with all different ways with flash with, without, um, uh, do you do much photography in, in cemeteries already? Um, I have like, yes, whenever I travel, I try to find the most interesting cemetery I can because I, I love history and I find it fascinating. Oh, wow. Well, thanks, Elaine. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you sharing that with us. We're going to Joe in the Bronx. Hey, Joe, good morning. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. Well, thank you, George. How are you? Good. What's on your mind? Good. Yeah, uh, Shannon, yeah, I wanted to ask you, uh, in these events uh, taking place in Lilydale, uh the seances and uh, medium readings, um, did you experience any lost time or the phenomenon uh, where time slows down and also what what is the scariest experience you've had during a seance or medium reading okay thanks for your question that it's interesting that you say that about time because yeah that's a primary element to any sort of a paranormal experience is that time behaves in a in the not like in a way that you normally don't perceive it right so uh so that's why I started to, you know, sometimes I do really long exposures in these seances, and that's, um, I started to think, oh, maybe there's something to this, that the, the play with time in these situations might actually be more interesting or important than I had considered, because, you know, usually people say don't do long exposures because it's just a blurry picture, but then I started to consider, well, what what is really happening when I'm doing these uh, long exposures? Um, so the the and sometimes when I'm watching mediums work, I actually do think there's a play of time going on. 
And yes, when I've been in, in sand situations, time, you know, sometimes it goes really fast and sometimes um, I will lose time a little bit um, through the experience. Um, as for the, the scariest experience, um, I'm trying to think, you know, I haven't really had anything. I have to be honest, I really haven't had anything um uh, terrifying happened to me in seances. I'm always usually working with people that I trust or people, you know, in, in very um, safe environments. So I, I really, I've had shocking experiences. Um, uh, there's a one in the book that I write about, about seeing a man's hand um, look as if it, it grew three times its size right in front of my eyes. Um, but it, that was more shocking than scary. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Uh, t- tell me this. So, you know, we're talking about spirits coming through these mediums and speaking to the living. Um, I, I know there is not a definitive answer to this kind of a question. You don't know exactly the structure of the afterworld, if there is one. But um, what would you say is the difference between those spirits who are trying to convey a message and, say, ghosts that appear physically or uh, poltergeists that really raise a ruckus? Um, so it. It's been described to me that uh, ghosts. So the word spirit, or when a medium says they're working with spirit, it means they're they're dealing with an intelligence. Their consciousness is dealing with an intelligence. Whereas, like a ghost, a lot of times, you know, these ghost stories, it'll be like the same woman in the same dress walks down the same hallway, and and she's seen by you know generations of people, and that would be described more as like an imprint or a recording uh, that. Uh, some people have described it as relating to the this idea of the Akashic records, that everything is somehow, everything that's ever happened is somehow recorded, and that can be accessed uh, on the astral plane. So it might be so, something um, along those lines. And then um, what was the other thing? Uh, ghosts? Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Well, poltergeist, it, you could say that the Fox sisters where spiritualism started was a poltergeist event that then developed into something else. And, but a lot of people, you know, a lot of the poltergeist studies say that that's actually the, an unconscious mind's energy, um, bursting forth in the material realm. Uh, so I think there's some overlap in all of these topics, but, uh, there are differences. I've mentioned your book several times, Seance. It's beautiful. This version, this is a new version. What's in this book that wasn't in earlier versions? Um, so uh, the new book is, it's been redesigned. And then uh, there's an extra essay uh, by the um, filmmaker and uh, podcaster J.F. Martell. And that includes some images that I took during the pandemic. Um, where I was using screens, I was doing some image. I was doing photography actually via Skype and Facebook or uh, FaceTime, and um, I got some really interesting results that I w- thought were really compelling. So I added a few of those new pictures in the book, and um, and then the rest is from the. It, it's all the same content from the earlier book, which was uh, has been out of print since twenty twenty. Well, it's terrific. It's always great to talk to you, Shannon. I hope we do this again sometime. Please keep me in the loop and let us know about how your event goes. Thank you so much. I had a wonderful time. You're a great interviewer. Thank Appreciate you, so you staying up late with us. Thanks, Shannon. Bye. Bye. Thank, thanks also to my earlier guest, Grant Cameron, and to my uh, colleagues at Coast to Coast, Adam Thompson, Donna Walker, Ryan Stacy, Dan Galani, Chris Boros, 
Lisa Lyon, Tom Danheiser, and, of course, George Norrie. I'm George Knapp. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Hope you enjoy your Memorial Day holiday. Uh, our thoughts go out to uh, uh, the, the the people who didn't come home uh, from overseas battles, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.